Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown, Fagrin Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino. The head coach of the West Virginia Mountaineers, Neil Brown, joins us to talk about a lot. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, July 30th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of August, yes, you heard me, it's almost August, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best now we're recording this a few days in advance. Ted, how do you think our vacations are going? Are we having fun? Uh, yeah, I think right now I've just finished an all-inclusive breakfast and I'm getting ready to go out on the beach. Okay. I think that I just shot a, a just a 75. Oh, if I shot 75, <laughs> man, you, you're going to find me passed out at the top of the mountains. I'll be so happy. It's almost August, man. It's close. I know, I know it. It's getting here. So yeah, we're gonna have uh we're gonna we're gonna get out to some training camp practices for the Sooners and excited to see what the team is looking like as the season nears. But for this episode, you know, it's his it's his annual visit, baby. Neil Brown. Love this guy. Absolutely love this guy. And it's a huge year for him. Yep. Huge year. They uh they caught us last year. We'll be looking for revenge, but he got a looking like what may be a quarterback battle. Good group of returners coming back. We'll see what see what the season holds for West Virginia. Yeah. All right. We'll get to that, but we just got one birthday shout out. Happy 78th birthday to Jack Hickman. All right. Here is the head coach of West Virginia, Mr. Neil Brown. It is our pleasure to be joined by the head football coach of the West Virginia Mountaineers. Neil Brown is in the house. 
Neil, how we doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. It's kind of the calm before the storm. So like a week from today, as we as we tape this, man, we are getting rolling. Yeah, it it's that time of the year. Now, last year when we had you on, we started it with the simple question. Uh, what's it like being a college football coach right now? I know that that is a simple question that requires a complicated answer, but do you feel any better, right? Do, do things feel more organized? Is it any, is it any better at this time than it was at a point a year ago? Well, it's, it's a challenging time. I, I find it a hard time to, uh, to, to really uh, complain when you have two commas. If anytime you have two commas, like nobody wants to listen to you complain. So I don't, I don't necessarily complain about it. Um, I think we're in a challenging time for our game. That's, that's what, and we live in like these two worlds, right? We live the, the world that's, that's on the field, on the plane. I don't know if our game's ever been better from a quality of play standpoint. Um, but there's some real, real challenges that um, I think affect the fans more than anybody else um, that we've got to get corrected, right? You know, college football is great because um, it's the number one uh, supported uh, from fan from a fan perspective. Um, and the reason people love it is because no different than you guys got your Oklahoma stuff on because y'all are deeply connected to that university. And whether alumni, people that grew up in, in states um, and grew up rooting for a team, but there's a real strong pool. And what, I, what I'm really concerned about long-term is, is we're going to lose fans because they're not going to know the players. And some of the reasons why they really fell in love with the, just the college game um, are going to go by the wayside. And so um, I'm not complaining about it. We're figuring out how to survive in it. Uh, but we've got to, we've got to, as college football, we've got to figure out how is to mold this academic model that we've been in with the model where the players get their piece of the pie, which they should, um, and still make it a still make it a game in an enterprise that 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 the fans want to tune in to watch on TV and then and then come in person to see. How is it for you personally? Because I know, I mean, most football coaches have always been, hey, all that stuff's going to deal with itself. We're going to handle the football. All you know, we'll deal with that whenever it's sorted out. But this is a little bit different because you it, it's something you guys have to use on a day-to-day basis to kind of navigate and set your program up. So how do you kind of manage splitting those two things? We've got the football aspect of it, and then we've got all the other stuff. So the way I think about it, in the, the I'm going into year nine as a head coach. And really over the last two is when it's changed the most. And so the way I think about it, I'm not saying this the way that everybody else is, is okay. So I think you got to, your the biggest changes are, is dealing with NIL, okay, and whether and that's a big enterprise because you're talking fundraising, you're talking about uh, conversations, you're talking about dealing with collectives, um, and it is a time sucker probably more so than any other thing that I that I deal with, but it's it's vital, right? It, those are those are things that have to happen. And then you have the the transfer portal, which has really uh, put a um, a big emphasis on retention. Not that retention wasn't always important, but now because you really have free agency at all times, is it's really put on a um, an emphasis on retention. So 
um, you've added those responsibilities to already a really busy schedule for a head coach. So really what, what I've tried to do over the last two years, um, and I've probably done a better job over the last seven or eight months, is you really categorize two things for me is, okay, what are the things that that are my strengths? What do I do well? And what are things that are necessary as the head coach? And then if it's not a strength and it's not necessary, man, you've got to have people in your building that take care of that. Um, and so that's how I, that's how like I would characterize it. Um, and you got to be okay with not everything being under your control, which a lot of people that are in these positions, and I'm sure I have a little bit of this too, is like you're a little bit of control type A that you've always want to make decisions. And in the current climate, you're not in control of all things. So, over the last couple of years, you you guys lost some, I mean, really good football players to the portal. And NIL was seemed to play a large factor in that as well. And when I look at your roster, it doesn't seem like that happened this offseason. W- what changed? So the biggest change for us is, you know, and this isn't an excuse, this is just the truth, is we play, and I've told this story, so I'll try to do it fast, is, we play in our bowl game in um, 21, so late December of 21 um, in Arizona. We lose uh, to a really good Minnesota team. Uh, didn't play very well. Played well defensively. Didn't play very well offensively at all. Really a kind of a uh, one of the worst performances I've ever been a part of offensively. But in between, like, that bowl game and early in spring practice, we lost some really good players, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And we lost them because um, we were late um, really getting into the collective business. And our collective was formed in January of 22. I mean, really came together fruition. And Ken Kendrick, who owns the Diamondbacks, was really the leader of that. And, and he got a really good team, Oliver Luck, the CEO and they've got a really good board of directors and then they hired and uh, staff and they, and they did a really good job, but it didn't get really off and running until, you know, some point in March when we could start, it started benefiting our players. And then we were limited a little bit from a fundraising standpoint. And so we lost some really good players for the 22 season. And, um, and we didn't really have uh, the financial backing to really replace them through the portal. And so we took a huge dip defensively last year. Um, played okay offensively, not great. Played okay, uh, but took a huge dip. And and that and we've been really good on defense. You know that'd been a strength of ours. Um, and since you know in the portal cycle, December, January, and the portal cycle in the spring, we really lost one uh, one player due to NIL. Um, and and we probably could have kept them, but it's one of those decisions that yay or nay you got to make. And um, but it, but we really changed that narrative. And so um, and I think we're in a good place moving forward. Where as long as we continue to to be able to fundraise and and those type of things, I think where we can because the formula for us has to be retaining our best players. You know that that has to be the formula for us. Yeah, and. Speaking of your best players, who are you excited about? Season's getting close. We're, you know, about to gear up for camp. 
who's had good spring, good summer, and and you feel like going to have a, a really big impact this fall? Yeah, I'll start on offense. You know, I, I really think we have the the ability to be the best or one of the top offensive lines in, in, in our conference. Um, we've got four um, guys that have been freshman All-Americans up there. I think we've got uh, three to four NFL players for sure. Um, we've got a, a ton of starts. We got one of the 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 we have the most starts in the Big Twelve. I think we're in the the tops toward the toward the top in the country. I think Devin Carter, who's a, a transfer receiver from NC State, who's played a lot of football, he's uh he's gonna he's gonna kind of have a breakout year for us. I really believe that. I think C.J. Donaldson at running back Ooh. is a star in the making, and he's a big kid. He's two forty. He he's different than other backs in our league. Um, and then defensively, I really expect at uh, at Mike linebacker Lee Koba to take. And, and I think uh, Gabe had a chance to talk to him at media days. He's going to take a big step. He was our leading tackler last year, junior college transfer. Those guys always make a big step in year two. And and then in secondary, I think as a whole, that was our weakness last year. And we had to play some guys before they're ready. And you saw this with TCU last year. You know, they they did a good job in the portal. They didn't necessarily get stars out of the portal. They got some good players. But what happened was is some guys that got really good experience in 21 made good jumps in 22. And and that's really what I expect of our secondary. We played some guys before they were young, before they were ready and they got some experience. But I really expect those guys to make a to make a big jump uh, from 22 into 23. We'll get you back to the interview, but first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch the price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also have you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamare. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in better yourself comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Their food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, back to the interview. What about the quarterback situation? Obviously, we saw in-person Garrett Green carve up Oklahoma last year. He certainly has got the athleticism. Do you think he's ready to take that next step? And I know you've been excited about about Nico for a couple of years now. So how are is it a battle between those two guys during camp? Yeah, it's a battle, and and they've been battling really since January. And it's a it's a competition that'll, that'll head into fall camp, and we'll give it at least a couple of weeks at minimum. And um, 
but starting with Nico, really highly recruited kid, ultra competitive. Um, he's a dual threat guy. He's they're different runners, but both are dual threat. Nico's a strong guy, natural runner, can break tackles because of his strength. Um, and he and he does a really good job pocket presence wise, and he throws the ball in time. And he's really come a long way in the last 20 months or so in the, on the mental aspects of it. Uh, Garrett has played a lot of football here. Um, and I thought he really came on at the end of the year. Uh, he's elite athletically. Um, he's, he's super fast. And, and he's got elite arm talent. He can make all the throws. What he's got to improve on is accuracy. And he's got to eliminate some of his negative plays. And so he had success at the end of last year. And so – I'm excited for both those guys. I think we can win with both of them. Um, and, you know, obviously we felt confident in those guys because we didn't go in the portal and try to get a guy that, that had a bunch of experience. I This is kind of a taking a little bit of a turn, but, you know, the quarterback position, you've been around uh, really good offenses, really good quarterbacks for a long time. But just kind of overall in college football, the level of quarterback seems to have, you know, just gone through the stratosphere there's even on what people would consider you know bad teams or middle of the road teams you've got guys that are doing things that it seems to me 10 12 years ago you would a guy would have been considered one of the best in the country just what have you seen from the overall position in sport well it's gotten more athletic first of all there's there's and so you're seeing more uh athletically gifted plays because who's playing the type of athlete that's playing the position. I think that's the first thing. The second thing I think is the evolution of, of year round football. And so um, you're talking about uh, quarterback trainers. You're talking about seven on seven. And so by the time these guys are playing major college football, um, the number of repetitions against really good people are so much higher than they were 10 years ago. And so that's what I think those are some of the, I agree with you. For sure, I agree with you, but I think those are some of the root causes of it. How uh, I've heard a lot of coaches now, and, and you mentioned just all of the demands on your time as a head coach right now with how the sport has changed over these last couple of years. How hard is it to do what you need to do as a head coach and also be the play caller? Because there's a lot of discussion around that right now about no guy, the head coach is still calling plays and like the demands on your time. What, what's that balance like? How hard is that? So I think it, it, the balance is the right word. And I think it goes back to those two things that when, uh, when you all asked the question earlier is what are you good at and what's necessary? And then hiring people uh, on your administrative staff uh, within special teams, defense that, that you really trust in recruiting and personnel to trust to make decisions. And so you have to let go of some things that aren't your expertise and really focus on your strengths. Uh, the thing that that I think gets undersold on, and I, I can only speak from the offensive standpoint, I can't speak from the defensive play caller standpoint, but as an offensive play caller, you have an opportunity to control the game. Because as a, as a coach, one of the few people, you know, it's a player's game, but as an offensive play caller, you have an opportunity to control tempo, uh, decision making there's there's less people involved if you're going to go for it on fourth down okay if if you're going to do something that's uh risky you know like there's less communication uh when the head coach is is doing both right and you can really control the tempo you know you don't have to say tell the coordinator hey this is going to be 
you know, hey, they're really good offensively. They're struggling in defense. You know, you can just uh, – you can sense that. Maybe you huddle more. Or maybe it's a game that you know you're going to have to outscore them, so you try to play at a breakneck speed. Um, I think where – and this is for me. Last year was the first year I, I, that, I, that I hadn't called plays going back to 2008. It's the first time as a head coach I didn't. Um, and where here's where I think I made the miscalculation, Okay is for me, I thought, okay, I can step away. And there was some pressure to do that, but like I can step away um, and it's going to free you up, right? And what, and I and I don't regret decisions. Like you just learn from decisions. So what I learned through that process was it wasn't necessarily that you can't do both phases. This is for me personally. I'm not saying this for anybody else. What I learned is it's not necessarily that you can't do both of those roles. You can do both roles. The thing that it changed for me that I hadn't taken into account is I was in a different stage of life um, than when I'd done it previously. And what I mean by that is this, is I've got a 15-year-old daughter, you know, that was a freshman in high school, that's going to be a sophomore. I've got a 12-year-old daughter that's going to be a seventh grader. I've got an eight-year-old son that's going to be a second grader. And the activities that they're involved in, and because it's really important for me to be a good dad, but what I was doing is, you know, I was trying to do it the way that I'd always done it. Okay. And I was at a different stage of life. So I've got to switch my days around where I can still be a good dad and still get all the football stuff done because it's possible, but you're in a different stage of life. And so that was the bigger adjustment for me personally than anything. And does that, I don't, I, did I, does that make sense? Like it's just more about how you handle your time than it is about actually doing both roles. How, yep. how dare you want to be a good dad? What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll be judged on that more in the wins and losses. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, your point about really being able to kind of be more nimble on the sideline uh, with situational type of things. Um, and it just, I think of the new clock rules and like, I, how, do you, how do you guys handle that? Is that a something you implement in spring and – as a play caller and as an offense start preparing for that, or is it something you just kind of take as it goes and just you're aware of like, how does, how do the new call? You're, aware of, it. you're yeah. aware of it. I don't think it's going to be a huge, um, I don't think it's going to move the needle much. Um, you're going to have fewer plays. Um, you know, you may want to tempo a little bit more on made first um, if you're trying to extend the game, but I don't think it's going to have just a huge impact. I'll, I'll say this for the general fan. I don't even know if they, if they, if they'll notice, you know, um, but yeah. I don't from, think most people know the clock rules anyways. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't, you know, they really don't. It's a, uh, um, but yeah, that's, that was, I think people don't underestimate that. And, and I'll give you a scenario. So let's say it's um, as a, as a head coach, you get all the, the data analytics about when you should go for fourth down. And, and so like the communication, if you, if you have a coordinator is they really need to know at, a, at the, like on first or second down, if they're going to have four downs, because it really affects how you're calling the plays. Well, as a head coach, like you may be late coming in because you may talk special teams, you may talk to your defense coordinator. So you may be a little bit later coming into the, or coming into the start of a series and you may not have, you may not mention that to the coordinator. Well, as a head coach, you've already made that decision going into a game. Hey, when we cross the 50, I'm thinking four downs, 
And so as the head is the play caller, like you can be a little bit more aggressive on first down because second downs really turned into first and 10. If it's second and 10, that's really first and 10 to you. And so there's less communication. You have to bring your, you bring fewer people in to some of that type of decision-making. If that, if, if that makes sense. We'll get you back to the interview, but first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma city. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org financial aid is available and attention business owners you need insurica in your life insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout oklahoma texas in the southwest insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers they compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, back to the interview. Yeah, no, that makes makes total sense. Now, I've waited as long as I could, Neil. You you went through it. You feel good about the O-line? Think you're going to be solid at quarterback, letting those guys battle it out in camp? Feel like you're going to get back to playing better defense? So you're feeling good about your team and then you see the preseason poll and that you guys are picked dead last with the four new teams coming into the league. What, how, how does that make you feel, right? When you're the head coach, you're in charge of the organization and you see, you see that. Yeah. I think I said this to you on the radio, like it pisses you off because um, to me, like, Preseason rankings are based on how you finish the year. All right, what do you have returning? What are you bringing back? All right. And so for us, you know, we beat Oklahoma. We beat Oklahoma State to finish the year. Um, both those teams are ranked well ahead of us. Um, we have the most starts in the league at offensive line. Um, we lost some people at receiver, but we replaced them with very similar production at their previous schools. Um Defensively, we bring back most of our impact players minus one person. Um, and so, you know, and then on spe- and then we've got a lot of our specialists back. And so what I look at that is like, okay, what what is what is that based on? And so that's why it 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 upsets me because and I do and I think it's a little bit of lazy reporting. I do think there's there's a lot of that media voting is is based out of Texas. And we have zero presence in Texas, you know. And so, um, 
but that's that's why I'm kind of over it. Like I don't think anybody pays attention to that. They always get it wrong anyway, so I don't think it matters. I think it'll be it'll be a good story when we go to media days next year and they talk about where we finished compared to where we where they picked us. So yeah, well, you know, just thinking of the poll, you know, you've got four new teams coming in. Like, what do you think of of the state of the conference? What it looks like, how competitive it is, how different it's going to be, kind of with the new format and the new teams. Yeah, it's, it's, I think we're uh, positioned for long-term success. I think for Big 12 moving forward, you know, ever, however expansion shakes out, which I think it will, it will. I think, I don't think the, the model of 12 that we have, I really think that'll grow, whether it's one, two, three, four, whatever year, however, however many years down the road. I mean, I think it's going to change, but I do think we're positioned to be the deepest conference, you know, and when I, when I say the deepest uh, is everybody looks at the very top, in, in the league that you guys are going into, it's been really the best teams, you know, have in, have have been at the top. But I really feel like the bottom of our league has been significantly better. And I think it's positioned as we move forward. Um, and I think that when we get out of the mode of everybody playing everybody, um, I think that'll be uh, that'll be beneficial too because you're you have a potential to take away uh, at minimum one loss, you know, and so. I think we have an opportunity year in, year out, to be better represented in the playoff. Now, the schedule that you guys play, it, it's always I, – I appreciate it. I'm sure you feel a little differently about it with with playing that many Power 5 games. But last year you had the opener with Pitt, mm-hmm. which was a tremendous game. This year, on the road at Penn State in the opener, how did, how does that change the preparation? if at all, throughout the offseason, like knowing that you've got that quality of a football team in the opener and, and you've got to go to their place? Yeah, I mean, it does change. You know, I think that there's – it adds some excitement. Uh, there's some energy. you got to do some things in, in fall camp that you probably wouldn't do if you weren't playing in that type of environment uh, week one. And so um, that – you know, the, the schedule here, it's been a challenge, like – and I understand why the scheduling was made because we're the easternmost um, in our league, especially, before, you know, Cincinnati's now in it, so we got at least got a partner over here. But um, but our fans really didn't have any natural rivalry games, and it was hard for them to travel. And so when the Pitt, Pitt series, the Maryland series, or the Penn State series were, you know, like the fans can go to it, um, it's just not in the best interest of the program, you know, like it, it and if you look at the teams that and programs that are similar to ours, they're not doing that. And so, and we're playing one less home game. So we're doing our, our fans are real injustice overall because we're playing one less home game um, than, than almost every other power five program. And, and so we've got to get it fixed. You know, we basically got a, a couple more years on this cycle, um, but the opener, we're excited about it. Then Penn State will come here the following year, and that'll be a great atmosphere. Pitt comes. You know, Pitt's a game that we need to play every year. I think it's a rivalry, and it's one of the best rivalries in college football. And so I'd be in favor of, you know, we play our nine league games, um, play Pitt, a group of five, and FCS, and I think that's the that's the formula for success here. Do you think that – you know, because I, I hear – I don't know, maybe it was Michigan yesterday someone was talking about first – 
first non-conference road game in like a decade or there's some some something mm-hmm. like that it was some team but you hear that all the time you kind of hear that with Alabama do you think the 12 team format 12 team playoff format will kind of move people away from uh being so scared to lose a game and you kind of have a little bit more of an NFL feel to where one, two losses doesn't kill you, and it's okay to schedule stuff like that? Or do you think the scheduling is going to kind of stay the same? I mean, I think you'll see it stay the same. Because here's what what I figured out. People don't really care who you play. They just care that you win. Yeah. I mean, really. You know, it's good preseason talk. But at the end of the game, nobody's saying, oh, that team went nine and three. You know, and they played three group of fives and a FCS and they're nine conference. You know, nobody's talking about that. They're just talking about that they went nine and three. And when people look at records, they're just looking at the records. They're not necessarily looking at who you beat. And so um, I think there's there's more revenue in home games. And so I think what you're going to see is I think you'll see the scheduling stay similar. I think you may see less of the neutral site games and more home and homes. I can see that. But I don't think you're going to see – like people playing 11 power five games, you know, I just don't think that's going to be the future of the schedule. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see there, there are going to be some, some unintended consequences of that format shift. And I just don't know what exactly they're going to be yet, but we'll see one last thing I'm going to hit with you, Neil. What's it like now you're the head football coach. You're kind of the face of the university, right? And then make a change at athletic director. Like what goes through your head when all of that happens, right? And you know what what was that entire process like for you? Well, I think the it'd been different if it wasn't in season, you know. So like we're in the middle of it, and so I probably didn't have as much time to process it, you know, because during that we're in the process of like changing quarterbacks, like. We needed to finish better, you know, so like we had so many things going on in house that um, it probably I probably didn't it didn't um, I didn't have a whole lot of time to sit around and think about it. Right. Um, You know, I think the person the personal side of it probably bothers you more than anything, just because Shane Lyons, who was our former AD, you know, hired me for this position. I think he's a great person. Um, I think he did a ton of really good things for this university. Um, and I have a lot of respect for him, um, for the type of person he is. And so that, um, I think the, that, that, that kind of sting where you feel for them, you know, he's from West Virginia, he's an alumni of West Virginia. Um, and so that probably, uh, uh, affected me more than anything, just the personal side of it. Um, and then when you come back, when you come out of that feeling that, you know, it's like, okay, what direction you go in? We went out and hired, I think one of the, one of the top up and coming athletic directors in the country. Who's, who's an Oklahoma guy, which you all know that he, uh, um, you know, so I'm excited about our future with Ren. You know, I think anytime you have some change, you get a little juice, you know, it's energized. Like um, I think he's excited about what we got. And so um, you just kind of flip the page and, and, move on to building a relationship with him and, and getting what his vision for the, for the department is. We'll get you back to the interview, but first 
John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and they got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. You buy a newer used car from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with any of the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. And you can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, back to the interview. Does he have anything new on his plate, or is it just business as usual around there? Oh, boy. Yeah, he's had a few, yeah, he's had a few things on his plate. <laughs> Does what's the best way to ask ask this? Do, does that affect the everything going on with the basketball program? Does that affect the football program in any way? No, I just think it it affects um the university and the state, you know, and like um and again, I t- I spoke about this on Shane. I'll speak like just from a personal standpoint is his hugs has been great to me. He's been uh, really uh, uh, kind of welcomed me into the state. Um, he's been a proponent. Um, he's been a, a really good friend. Um, he's been helpful. And so when you, you see, you know, you feel for that. And at the same time, you know, here's a guy that, that I really like in Wren, who's our new athletic director, having to deal with that in a really early in his tenure. So you feel for him too. Um, you know, that was, that all kind of was when we were out of town, that kind of hit during our vacation. So that wasn't something that we deal with. It doesn't affect our players at all. You know, I just, I hate that our, uh, that our university and our state are having to, having to go through that. Yeah. I, I think we all hope it ends up all getting ironed out and that, Hugs can be an ambassador, some type, right, for the university because he's he's just such a, he's such an icon in the state, dude. You're the best. Um, I'll be rooting for you every day except for November 11th. Okay. Hey guys, I appreciate it. Y'all have a have a good rest of the off season. I I'm serious when I say that I'm rooting for that guy every day, other than November 11th. He's he's one of my favorite people in college football. And it's not yeah. just because I've developed a really good relationship with him and he comes on the podcast. That certainly helps. There's no doubt about it. But I just, I really think he goes about it the right way. And he's got a very just common sense approach to NIL, to roster building, the collective stuff. Like I, I think the guy just gets it, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see them pull something off. And, you know, they got an opportunity with that Penn State game. Uh, doesn't sound like he's thrilled about that game, but, you know, it's you got to view it as an opportunity. Yeah, they have 11 Power 5 games. They go Brutal. Penn State. Now, they do get Decane in the home opener, but they're non-con at Penn State, and they host Pitt. Mm. I mean, they and then they obviously have their full Big 12 slate. So 11 Power 5 games for West Virginia. I love how he said it. There's no other program like theirs doing that. That's tough, man. That's that's tough. But again, opportunity, man. You you just there's no not going to do any good sitting around complaining about it. They just got to use it as an opportunity, use it for fuel for their football team, and we'll see what they got. Yeah. On that note, episode 340 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder. You can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a fantastic start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more